Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's podcast. We are a church from the downtown area of Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today as we listen to God's word from the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph. We pray that the Lord will draw us to him as we find ourselves in the story of God amidst suffering. guys can grab a seat. Uh, We have been working our way through Genesis, and we've been saying this whole time that um, we will thrive regardless of our circumstances when we find ourselves in God's story, not our own. And so um, as you guys get settled in, we have been taking this chunk by chunk of scripture so we don't read it all the way up front. We're going to get the lights on here, but I would love it if you have your Bibles to look with me in Genesis. This is a wonderful section of scripture where um, I believe that we can find uh, out through Joseph's story a little bit of how we are to find ourselves in God's story. It's one thing to say, hey, we'll thrive when we see ourselves in that way. We'll thrive when we, when we find ourselves there. But a lot of the times we can go, well, okay, so how, how do I do that? And, and I think today's text, uh, Joseph gives us a clue of kind of the pr- one of the primary ways to do that in, in this text today. And so I'm excited for us to get there. And I, and I hope that um, I hope that you'll be encouraged. Again, it's a lot of scripture. Um, we said 41, or yeah, 41, 1 through 45. The last chunk we're going to tie a little bit more to next week's. Um, so anyways, without that, let's, let's kind of dive in. So this, this section here, we know um, a couple weeks ago after Derek so brilliantly taught through the Psalms last week, uh, we, we saw that Joseph had been forgotten in prison by the cupbearer. And so 41 begins with this after two whole years. And so we feel the weight of Joseph being stuck in the pit, being forgotten by the cupbearer after everything he said that would happen, happened. And then two years later, and the reason why the cupbearer was pulled out at that time was because it was the Pharaoh's birthday. And so two years later, so we're at the Pharaoh's birthday again. Uh, he happens to have a couple dreams. And the, the dreams are, are vivid in picture, but he has one dream where he, he's sleeping in the, and it goes to the Nile. And in Egypt, the Nile was, was life. It was, their, it was their abundance. It was what they, they lived off of. It's also what would flood and, and carry all the water for them. It was, also, it was life came and, and prosperity came through the Nile when it came to the Egyptian people. And this is where it was. And so the dream happens where these, these seven cows come out of the Nile and they're, they're plump and they look good and they're like ready to be eaten for beef or, you know, whatever you want to do there, right? Like they have this, this beautiful thing that the cows to Egyptians held a high regard in, in, in some of the gods that they would worship and talk about. And then these seven really sickly and grotesque cows come out of the, out of the, the water and they, they eat the plump ones. And then we find out when Pharaoh is telling, recanting the dream to Joseph that, that even after eating the plump cows, they look like they hadn't eaten anything. And he wakes up from that dream. And then he goes back to sleep and he has another dream about these ears of grain and, and these beautiful ears of grain kind of being in place, these seven ears of grain, again, coming out of the Nile, and then these seven sickly grain kind of destroyed by the east wind. Just so you know, it was probably a south wind, but east because this is more of a Semitic writing, talking about Hebrew. We always know the east is where this comes from. And so the east destroys, over, could overnight, the hot desert wind could overnight destroy a crop. And he says these, these it, it, the dream shows these, these ears of grain eating the other ears of grain. Okay, so first off, we, like, it's obvious, like, cows don't eat cows, and grain doesn't eat grain. Like, that doesn't happen. But, 
But it, it does this, and this happens, and he wakes up, and he's, he's tormented by this dream. He struggles by this dream. He's, he's wrestling with this dream. And so he, he calls every single mag- magician. Now, now think about this. It doesn't say like some of them. He calls every single magician to come and interpret these dreams. And these dreams aren't, I mean, when you look at them, they're, they're, they, you, you and I can even see the commonality in them. And, and it, it seems like there's not like a lot of difficulty in understanding it. So for some reason, the magicians couldn't interpret it or what they gave Pharaoh wasn't good enough to, to appease his heart or to make him feel good about it. So either God was, was messing with or keeping all of the, the necromancers and the magicians, all these people, these hundreds of people most likely to not be able to figure it out or, which is also possible, they had the idea of it, but they were afraid to give Pharaoh bad news. Either way, they don't get the answers. And so here is Pharaoh upset, concerned, afraid for his, afraid for his, his life and what's going to happen. He feels like there's something big in this dream. And, and then in comes the cupbearer. He's, he's sitting there and he's like, ah, I, 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 I want to remind you of something here, Pharaoh. He's like, I, I realize I, my offense is towards you. And so most scholars believe that he's talking about his offenses that ended him in the, in the baker in jail two years ago. But some also believe that this is potentially him going, oh, yeah, that little Hebrew boy said, remember me, and I didn't. But he said, hey, I was in prison, and what, you know, I made a mistake, and then this guy had, remember the birthday party two years ago? It was real great, yeah, yeah. You, you, you ended the baker's life, but you restored me and this little Hebrew boy, this little slave, this little, and he kind of makes him as small as possible. He said, we had these dreams, and he said, and the cupbearer holds out all of the torment that they felt in prison. He doesn't talk about how they were like physically distraught. He just says, oh yeah, he, he interpreted our dreams for us. And in our dreams, those came true. And so Pharaoh at once says, well, get him up here. Get him up here. And so they go down and they, they shave him real quickly because the Egyptians believe that cleanliness was that way. And so that they, they shave him and get him in place and they put some, just an outer garment on him and they bring him to Pharaoh to have these dreams. And so verse 16, I'll, I'll pick, or verse 15, I'll read real quickly. It says this. It says, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, um, I have had a dream and there is no one. And now remember, this scene is set. Like this is a, a rather large space. All of Pharaoh's counselors are there. Probably some of the magicians are still there or a good chunk of them. Everyone's in the room. And he's saying, it's almost like he's saying, and none of these fools, none of these people can do this. Like, I've had this dream, and none of them, no one who can interpret it. There's no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said, doesn't say the cupbearer, doesn't say anything else, but now picture yourself, two years in prison, standing there, and there's that cupbearer, clean garments, <laughs> comfortable. Do, are, they, are they making eye contact? Is the cupbearer like, a little shameful as he kind of stick slipping behind a few of the magicians like maybe he won't see me <laughs> but like like i have heard and you know joseph could be like from that guy like you heard from that guy like two years ago you were supposed to hear from that guy but i've heard that you can interpret interpret it i have heard said that you that when you hear a dream you can interpret it and and now joseph is at this point 13 years slave in Potiphar's house, in prison. We don't know how long the separation of those two are. 13 years. And here's Joseph sitting or standing before the most powerful person in Egypt. Well, let's say most powerful person in, in every area. This is the biggest, biggest kingdom right now in play. Like the strongest one, the most powerful one. 
I wouldn't blame him if he was like, yeah, I'll tell you that dream. But what's he going to do for me? Like secure a little bit of his, of his future, right? Like wouldn't it make sense for him to say, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you this dream. I'll, I'll tell you the interpretation. But, but just, you know, it's going to be really hard. It's going to take a lot of work. It might take me a few years. So can you put me up in a really comfortable place as some servants? And, and, and you know what? That cupbearer, maybe he can be my servant. And I don't know, I maybe have a conversation with Potiphar's wife pretty soon because I've been down there for a while. Like, like this seems like the right time for Joseph who just two years earlier asked the cupbearer, remember me, you're going to sit with the Pharaoh, remember me. He has the power to get me out of here. I was wrongfully enslaved, wrongfully sold into slavery, wrongfully imprisoned. Like, get me out. And, and most of us, if not all of us, I know for myself at least, I'd take that opportunity. I'd try and secure what I could at this moment because he's been forgotten, it seems, for a very long time. Over and over and over again, he woke up in the pit in jail for something he didn't do. Over and over and over again, he has done what is right, and his circumstances have gone worse. He fleed temptation with Potiphar's wife, and he went to jail. He honored the cupbearer and the baker by giving them their dream and asking to remember, and they didn't do it. So Joseph has time and time again seemingly done what the Lord has asked of him, done what would be honoring God, and it has meant nothing for his circumstances. So who would blame him if he doesn't just go, okay, yeah, yeah, I got this. I got this. But what are you going to do for me? Again, maybe he's fearful of saying, speaking that because with the Pharaoh, you don't really answer questions that aren't asked. You don't speak when you're not given the opportunity to speak. Yet we know in just a little bit, if you read on, Joseph does that. So Joseph isn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't apply for a position. He doesn't vie for vindication. He doesn't ask for anything, Joseph does something. And this is the first thing that I think, this is, the, this is the primary clue for us understanding how we find ourselves in the story of God as opposed to making the story of God about ourselves. Joseph does something so profound. Look at what he says in verse 16. Joseph answers Pharaoh, it is not me. I can't. Talk about like, whoa, whoa, Joseph, don't, don't say that. <laughs> like you need to keep yourself valuable. Like, keep yourself valuable, because if you don't keep yourself valuable, you're going to end up back in that pit. What does Joseph say? I can't do it. Not I. I. I cannot do it. But God will give a favorable answer. Now, okay, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, so let me just, just, just kind of lay this out for a second here. Pharaoh would have seen himself as a reincarnate God. Okay, so he was, he was like the son of Ra. Like this was kind of like the expectation was Pharaoh was a deity. Okay, and so here, here Joseph says, I can't. Very clearly, very, very brash, very abrupt, very succinct, very, very short. I can't do it. But God will give you a favorable answer. Okay, so there's, there's two things that we have to remember. He hasn't even heard Pharaoh's dream at this point yet. How, how, does, how does Joseph know it's going to be favorable for the king? Secondly, he just spoke to one who believes he's a god and says, no, 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 I understand. All of your magicians couldn't do it. All of your knowledge and experience and education and finances and, 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 and 
professionalism, all of your science, even you, oh, Pharaoh, reincarnate little God. No, you can't do it. But Yahweh, but God, but this little Hebrew God that you guys think about, he and he alone can do it. Now, what does is, what is Joseph display? What does he display? Sorry, before we go there, there's just one kind of one small thing, especially as we're getting close to school and, and back to kind of the rhythm of life where people remember that like you're supposed to have a rhythm and not just go on vacation all the time, right? Like when we're getting back into that stuff. What, what is one thing that I think is this is a secondary point. This is free. Joseph, Joseph does something that I think many of us struggle with. He speaks about God to someone who would have no desire most likely to hear about him. And so as you guys get ready to go to school or as you get in your workplace, like, are, are you willing to talk about your faith to your friends, to your family members, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to the baristas that you see every week, every day? Like, are, are you willing to share your faith? See, because right here, Joseph automatically says, look, I'm, I'm, I want to just be really clear. Like, not me, but God can. So he speaks about God in front of a person who probably didn't want to hear it or if he offended could like kill him instantly so just as a, as a side note before we get into it are, are you willing to not just say i will live in a way that hopefully people see jesus are you willing to actually speak about god and his faithfulness in your life are you willing to give god the credit for things in your life are you trying too hard to make it about you and you being nice and and unfortunately people are seeing you and your niceness and not the god who is compelling you or giving you the ability to do so Again, that's not the point here. Just I felt like we had to say it. But here's the first indicator of how we can find ourselves in the story of God. Joseph makes a point to do this very important thing, and he kind of does it two different ways with his time in Pharaoh. And um, I believe it's a huge indicator to the fact that, that Joseph has been sanctified by the Lord to really see himself in God's story. Because again, let's picture the scene. Two more years in prison the first conversation he's having with anyone outside of prison happens to be the Pharaoh, okay? And he, he's shaved, got an outer garment put on, and the very first thing he does is say, not me, but God. In a, in a word, you want to find yourself in the story of God, it takes one word, humility. See, because for us to find ourselves in the story of God, we have to recognize that we're not as good as we think we are. Or that, this, that we're not even the, the primary point of the story. Like, we are a joyful, brought-in part of what God is going to do, but the primary point of what God is doing is Jesus and himself and his glory. And so Joseph, out of, out of complete sanctification, I, again, I would have come out of prison in a lot different position. 13 years, I'm not sure, like, any of us are able to, to, to endure that, and maybe some of you have, but, like, are able to endure it to the level that he does to where his first response is to be humble. And he displays immense humility. Joseph displays what is absolutely necessary for our walk with God. It must be where we, where, to find ourselves in the place, in the story of God, we have got to be humble. Honestly, salvation doesn't happen without humility a recognition of, I am dead in my trespasses. I am a sinful person that desires my own selfish ambition in need of a Savior that can do only what a Savior can do. 
because I can't do it. And Joseph says, his first opportunity for freedom, he, instead of standing front and center, says, look at me. He literally gets out of the way and says, look at, look at God. Not me, but him. The supremacy of God and the fact that we can do nothing to inherit eternal life apart from Christ is a stumbling block for prideful people. When we make this story about us, we are sitting in pride. And God says in 1 Peter, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I struggle with this so often in my marriage, with my kids, discussing theology. It is, it is unbelievable. It is disheartening at times how quickly and how easily it is for myself to move towards pride. Now look what Joseph does. He goes on. I, wanna, I just want to make this point. Verses 25 through 32. I'm going to read them for you. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one, God. Okay. He doesn't, like, let, me, let me tell you more. He's, he, oh, uh, nope, I'm going to make sure it's God. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good years are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears bright blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. It is as I told you. God. What he's doing here? Yahweh has shown to Pharaoh that he, what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God. And God will shortly bring about do you, do you see like god 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 there's no there's no like oh and, and by the way and me <laughs> like just just you know like like god and i he's my homeboy like he's using me like there's none of that it's all god will do it god has shown god is doing god 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 now look at this this is why i say joseph was sanctified do you remember he had two dreams before he was sold into slavery and what does he do it goes and tells his brother like hey look at this you're all going to bow down to me we know that he remembers these because in chapter 42, the next chapter, when his brothers are bowing down, it says that Joseph remembered his dreams. What does Joseph do here? Instead of antagonizing, instead of saying, hey, I think this is what this may mean, instead of putting himself in a position of like, look at what I've done, look at how God has spoken to me, he says, God, 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 God. If, if you want to see any promotion in life. If you want to see any bigger work for God's kingdom in life, it must be God, 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 and not me, me, me. He, nowhere do we see him take any credit. Nowhere in here do we see him leverage his situation. In fact, all he does is he keeps talking to someone who believes he's a God about his God. He wants none of the credit. Joseph has every opportunity to make this about him, to leverage himself. Those whom God calls to special service must make it a point to inform the world that any success or ability that they have comes from God alone. 
church, this is, this is why it's so hard for ourselves, myself and you, to find ourselves in the story of God is because we keep, we keep looking at ourselves instead of God. We keep, we keep looking at, at, at us. And, and yes, God is, is going to define and he's going to grow us and he's going to sanctify us and he's going to move about in our lives to bring more glory to him. But it's not about us. It's about him, his glory, and what he can do through and in us for his glory and his perfect plan and his perfect timing. Joseph came out of prison a drastically different man than the one that was sold into slavery. And even when I say that, some of you are like, man, yeah, I just wish I could change some more. 13 years. <laughs> Wasn't a rushed process by any means. All of us would call that slow. It was perfect timing for God. But, but Joseph experienced affliction, trial, temptation. And we're, we're left with little to few words. In fact, this is the longest Joseph has spoken <laughs> in all of this story so far. takes humility. Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It seems that Joseph had the talent. It seems that Joseph has great skill sets. I mean, everyone that he was a slave to raised him up to position of power underneath them. So it seems like he was pretty competent. And we can say, we know that the scriptures say it's because God was with him. But like, put that into our setting. When you see someone, like, oh my goodness, they're so talented, they're so competent, they're so doing those things. What, what it seems that Joseph was missing was the character to support it. Because as he stands before the Lord, he does, or he stands before Pharaoh, he, he does something ridiculous. And he talks about God. To people that don't believe in one God, they believe in many gods, including that Pharaoh is one of them, that couldn't solve a big problem. So here Joseph lays out, he does what's asked of him, and he's humble, and so he, he just says it, and then moves on, right? That's how the story's supposed to go. Like, you just said your part, and then, and then Pharaoh's going to hear it, and everything's going to go on, and everything's going to be great, because Joseph um, doesn't want to rock the boat. And if you're really going to be humble, you don't speak up, Right? Like, you should, never, you should never say something confidently because that might be misconstrued as arrogance. That's, what, that's like what we think about humility. In fact, I, I think it, we see the other way that he displays humility here that's profound, that you can be incredibly humble but yet very confident when, when you are confident God is with you. And so Joseph goes on and does, again, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of history. That, I mean, there's lots of talking about this, but there's not a, lot of, not a lot of writing that you can find in the scripture or outside of it that we got other examples with Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar and some of the other things. But like what Joseph goes on to say is he turns from, hey, let me just give you the knowledge. Let me interpret the dream. This is what Pharaoh asked him of. And then look what he does in, in verse 33. Um, and the doubling will happen shortly. Now, therefore, in light of this, in, in light of the interpretation of your dreams, now that I've told you what those dreams mean, let Pharaoh, now he's speaking in the third person, very passive, so he's not, not coming in and saying, you need to, but he's like, let Pharaoh, let Pharaoh a proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth 
of the produce of the lands, 20% of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that, they, that are com- coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That the food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish. This, this word perish is not to starve. It's actually judgment, to be cut off, okay, through the famine. So what, is, what does Joseph do? This is the second part of humility they think is so profound. Most of us would assume if you're a humble person, you don't ever speak. You don't ever speak something confidently. We know that Joseph doesn't stop. At least in the text, we get Pharaoh says a dream, and Joseph just says what it is. He did the same thing with the cupbearer and the baker. And then if you go back to his two dreams in his house in Canaan with his brothers, he just kind of goes right out and says them. Doesn't, doesn't ever talk about him sitting with the Lord and asking him what they're doing. We have no other recollection of any other dreams that happened in that 13 years. This is, this is it. So as Joseph continues to go on, there's no reason for us to not presume that he is still speaking on behalf of the wisdom that the Lord is giving him. And he says, oh, they want the same. What God is doing, God is, now let Pharaoh do this. And look, look what he does. He doesn't say, now let Pharaoh appoint me. <laughs> he doesn't say, hey, hey, now what you should do, Pharaoh, or what, what I would encourage Pharaoh to do is to find someone like, you know, Short stature, Hebrew, good looking. You know, like he doesn't, he doesn't, he like maybe not one of these guys that haven't figured it out. Like he's, he's literally telling Pharaoh what to do in a room full of people that Pharaoh tells what to do and then give him advice and counsel. He goes on and says, this is what it is. So this is the second, this is the second thing that he does in this that I think is key to finding ourselves as a part of God's story is he displays immense humility in incredible wisdom. See, he doesn't, knowledge is him telling Pharaoh what the dream is. Wisdom is what do we do in light of that knowledge? And so he displays this incredible, incredible humility in telling Pharaoh, here's how you solve the problem. Here's how you do all these things. Here's here's what needs to happen. And Joseph speaks boldly into wisdom. I mean, he just says, this is, this is what you need to do. This is what needs to happen for this to work. And I love, and I love, I love Pharaoh's reaction. Uh, 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. Now, now hear that. Like, they'd spent some time, a decent amount of time, maybe a day or two or a weekend, or it's been a long week of trying to interpret these dreams and Pharaoh being distraught and things being off, and here this little Hebrew boy, <laughs> who's no longer a boy now, at this point we, we find out that when he's put into position, he's 30 years old, and he just says, hey, it, it's God is doing this. Now, now what, what we can do to survive, to, to live through this, to, to do these things, we can, we can do this plan. And the plan's brilliant. Like, like literally, it's brilliant. He's, he's talking about taxing 20%. Most people believe at this time in the G- Egypt culture, it was about 10%, so it's giving 10% more. But then what's really, really brilliant, and most theologians love this, is that he says, build up the storehouses in the city, but keep the food there. Now imagine if you are an Egyptian that's getting taxed double of what you were probably being taxed at that moment, and if it was being taken away from you. No, he's saying, no, no, we're going to tax it, we're going to do it, but we're going to keep it in these cities. That would disarm so many of the, oh, okay, well, that storehouse is right here to support our community. It's not going away. And so Pharaoh's like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. And, and his advisors are, this is brilliant. Now, think about that. These are a bunch of most likely men, 
that couldn't figure out what to do. And this little Hebrew slave tells them all how to do it. And their response is pleasure. <laughs> well, Pharaoh says, goes on and says, man, verse 38, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, see, this is, this is why I think that we can say that, Pharaoh's, or that Joseph's operating in humility is because you and I both know, at least I know in my own life, you're not really seeing the Spirit of God in me when I'm operating in arrogance or pride. If I am operating in humility, you're more likely to see the Spirit of God in me. Now, most likely, Pharaoh here doesn't say the, the Spirit of God the same. This is the second time that this shows up in Scripture after the Holy Spirit is hovering in, in creation. But most likely what he is saying here is the Spirit of God's. He's, he's going to polytheism here because he doesn't believe in, in, in one God. And so he's saying, who, who, who else will have the spirit of the gods? Because you all are supposed to have the spirit of gods. I am a god, and apparently this guy doesn't. And so Pharaoh's like, if this is such a big thing and it's going to happen, where else are we going to look? Are we going to put a, like a, you know, a, 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 an ad up on Job Finder and see if we can find someone that's got the spirit of gods on him and like, can come in and, and do what, what Joseph says? No, he does this. He says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all of this, there is, no, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. Now, now hear that declaration. Again, he's, he's, since the gods most likely is the way that he's saying this, but he's saying since your God or, or a God has shown you this, there is none more discerning as wise as you. Now, that's a slap in the face of every other person in the room. And what does Joseph do? Yeah, it's about time. Told you that. Show me that. Come on now. I'm finally getting my place. No. So then Pharaoh goes on, and we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks. Pharaoh goes on and, and says, no, I want to I put you in position. In fact, there's going to be none greater than you other than me. The, the term of, of, of over this house or over the palace is, is a little bit ambiguous, but most scholars tend to believe that he basically became the vizier or like the, in charge of the land. He's, he's, he's basically put in a position where, where, where Pharaoh gives him his signet ring, which would have been a stamp of, like, this is royalty. Like, he'd put it in clay, and they'd stamp it. So this, you represent me. He gave him fine linens. Now, now hear this. Don't miss this. This is one of the things. This is the, this is the transition in, in Joseph's story. He was, he was sold into slavery because of a garment. He was put into prison because of a garment. And now he's reclothed. He was sold into slavery because of two dreams. And now two dreams are coming out. This is, this is, this is literature genius. They're just, they're just totally showing us as the, as the story of history is coming through here. We're seeing how everything is timely. Oh, God is working this, which is to us, the gift for us to look back is God's plan was working all along. See, what would have happened had Pharaoh or had the cupbearer remembered Joseph two years earlier? Joseph would have gotten out maybe, sent off to Canaan been off in, in his own, back at his hometown, like trying to deal with his brothers and be like, dude, you guys won't believe the life I just had. Like, find out if his dad's still alive. And then Pharaoh has these dreams and, and Joseph's not around. God's timing was perfect so that Joseph could be there, be used by God, be transformed by God first and be used by God for God's purposes of the promised seed to be saved. 
We see that in Psalm 105, that it was, it was to save the people of God that Joseph was in this situation. Joseph had to have come to terms with that to operate the way he does here. The few times you see him speak, you see him growing each time from less and less about himself and more and more about God. So Joseph gets put in this place, gets a new name, Egyptian name. We'll talk more about that. It's just it's kind of ambiguous what it means, but like he lives or God speaks. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch of Egyptian words that are kind of borrowed and, and moved into Hebrew, so it's hard to understand exactly what it means. And then he's given a wife of a priest in, in this area, and then Pharaoh takes him around, and, and this is why we assume that, that he was most likely a vizier or, or like over everything is because he puts him in his second chariot and takes him around and basically tells everyone to either kiss the ground or bow their knees to face him. So they're basically like establishing this, this authority in front of everyone. And so here's Joseph who spent 13 years, I mean, having to question God. 13 years praying, 13 years lamenting, for 13 years of, of anger, wrestling, but 13 years for the Lord was developing and bringing about a man who could stand with an authority. Now, now, now picture if Joseph hadn't, hadn't been softened to humility. Picture how this could have gone differently. Well, you know what you need to do, Pharaoh? Obviously, you need, like, would that have, whoa, whoa, I'm, I'm not interested in this. But all that Pharaoh and his, and his servants saw in Joseph was a man who was humble enough, not vying for position, trusting that anything that happens to him is in the, in the hand of the Lord. And therefore, what else can I do? You want to see you want to see yourself in the story of God, it's going to take wisdom. It's going to take understanding. Uh, James 3 says it this way. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? And then he doesn't go to make sure you get a bunch of degrees and you're better read than everyone else. He doesn't go, make sure you're super, super competent. And make sure that like, everyone knows you have the most experience. Who is wise among you? What, is, what does James say? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the what? Meekness, humility. Let him, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter or jealousy or selfish ambition in your heart, see, this is why I think Joseph has been sanctified to the spot he is, because if he has selfish ambition in his heart, then do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Joseph doesn't speak with earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom. He speaks from the heart of God, with wisdom from above. He says, wisdom, this is not. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and envy and vile, every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open, reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Can you imagine Joseph walking into that room? I picture it this way. It's loud. 
There's, there's all kinds of like, like anger and, and muttering and, and fear and angst. And some people are like, maybe I think I know what it means, but I'm too afraid to tell him that this is going to happen. And in walks Joseph, sowing, caring, peaceable, gentleness, open to reason, patience, and just speaks so boldly, so confidently. God, I can't do that, but, but don't worry. God will give you a favorable answer. In fact, God has made this thing known to you, Pharaoh. So now, let's let what Pharaoh should do. Let Pharaoh do this. And, 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 and everything that God is doing, and it, just so you guys know, this is one of the few places in Scripture where we see a famine coming on the land that has nothing to do with the sins of the land. <laughs> God just is having it. This is just happening. And he chooses to show it to Pharaoh to bring all of the Egyptians or all the Hebrews and the, the God's people into the Egyptian place that we then get to pick up at Moses' story where they're like, leaving again. And he does this. So often we find ourselves being really intellectually smart but functionally stupid when it comes to following the Lord. Humility requires us to take whatever smarts we have and apply them in wisdom which recognizes that we have nothing apart from God. What I know or you know about God, you did not figure out. He gave you. His, it comes from above. It's not, it's not something I can conjure up and make happen. It's not like Joseph just like, honed his skill of wisdom in, in prison, although it is interesting how, and I just want to say this because I think in our lives it's so often, it is interesting how Joseph had opportunity after opportunity to lead and to, to work with other people and to organize so it's like God was honing that skill while being enslaved. Remember what he was with his dad? He was lazy and his brothers were working. God was working this whole time in Joseph's life. What does this tell us, guys? He's working this whole time in mine and your life. We don't need to be good at disseminating information and, and horrible at living out that knowledge. We need to be humble enough to recognize that whatever wisdom or knowledge that God has given us is meant to be doing the works. Proverbs 9, 10 says this. You want to you know where this begins? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This isn't, this isn't like, ah, look out, fear. This is like reverential awe, fear. And let me just say this. You will not be in awe of God if there's pride still ruling your life. It's impossible to be in awe of amazing God when you think too highly of yourself. Just like it's impossible for us to find ourselves in the story of God if we continue to believe that the story's about us. Joseph here had every right. No one would argue if this read this way and he kind of did this thing, but okay, that makes sense. I think God would have done it. It's cool. Like God's going to have to work around that again like, or have, figure out how he's going to do it. Like No one would have been upset or expected anything different for, fair, for Joseph to have like done even what he did with the cupbearer. Remember me? But Joseph here is like, I'm, I'm done trying. I'm done trying to make it about me. I'm, try, I'm done trying to solve the problem for myself. And I'm just going to, I'm going to have this peace and this resolve, this, this, this comfort in recognizing that no matter what happens, God is with me and I'm in his hand. If there was anyone more qualified to say, I mean, maybe Job was a little bit more qualified to say it, but like, like for us to look at Joseph's life, he's qualified to say that. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful display for us of what humility is to look like. And so right now, if you're like, man, I want to get this promotion, or I want to do these things, great, be more humble. 
Stop, stop chasing. If you, want, if you want the promotion, if you want the spot, it's the Lord's doing. He's the one that will bring this about in your life. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. There's, a, there's another small point, and then we'll end here in a second. There's a small point I, just, I have to make because I think it's really profound and I don't have time to go into it, so I'll let you guys just kind of run home and, and have this conversation or have it in your gospel communities afterwards. Is, is There is something that we can learn from Pharaoh in this story and all of his, his leaders and his, his counsel around him that, that is really profound. Are we willing to hear wisdom when it's given to us? See, because Pharaoh could have said, how dare you? I'm a god, and you can't do that, and, and then leave, and then be like, okay, guys, let's do what he said, and, and like, let's figure this out on our own. But no, Pharaoh it, like, displays humility as well because he says, this is wisdom. This is, this is it, it pleases us to do this. We have joy to do this. And so the question for you is, is when wisdom is brought to you from a brother or sister, spouse, kids, coworker, are you, are, you, are you quick to, to listen to it? Or are you quick to turn from it and hide? Because your ability to hear wisdom is contingent on the level with which you are operating in pride or humility. Second point here. The, uh, you, you know why Joseph could be so humble and speak so openly? One scholar says that they'll say because his heart had been broken because he'd been tried by the fire of affliction, because while his external circumstances seemed almost unbearable during those years, internal conditions had been turned into pure gold. We now see the benefits of enduring affliction with one's eyes on God. Joseph exhibited by this answer a great growth in spiritual maturity. Since the time of his own dreams back in Canaan, then he had antagonized his family by calling attention to his own superiority. Now he won the confidence and respect of a heathen king in court by denying his own ability and giving full credit to the Lord. His years of slavery and imprisonment had indeed taught him humility and patience. Instead of calling attention to the failures of the wise, other wise men and stressing, it on, stressing his own powers, he acted with utmost courtesy and restraint and directed all praise to God alone. What does it look like for you to be more humble? What areas are you seeking n- notice? What ways with which are you hoping people will look at you and say, oh, that, 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 she's just that, or she's, he's this way? H- how are you living your life where you might be exalting yourself? Have you been making the story about you or about God? It is possible that the reason we struggle so often to see ourselves in the story of God is because we all, too, we, see, we all see too much of ourselves and not enough of God. We, in pride, focus on what I want and what I think I need instead of looking for what God is doing. Thirteen years, Joseph had to wait and look for God. How would you operate in your day-to-day if today you believed that God was with you? Where would you speak more boldly? If you knew that that doesn't matter who you're saying it to, doesn't matter how it's said even, you, you want to do it with the fruit of the Spirit, you want to be kind and gentle, but, but you know that no matter what may happen, God is in control. Are you afraid of speaking about God in your workplace because it might cost you your job? Are you afraid of, are you afraid of stepping out and declaring more of your faith or or being different than your friends because you're worried that they might leave you because you're too much like God. And I'm not talking about a self-righteousness where you 
walk around holier than thou. I'm talking about a true, humble wisdom. Uh, uh, I'm talking about a, a Luke 14, where everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Just like he will and does with you and me. Church, he will, he will exalt you at the proper time. He will give you the encouragement you need at the right time where you can receive it and not make it about you. He sees, he sees your, your good deeds. He sees way better than Santa Claus does, right? Like he knows all that stuff. I'm just not good at jokes, guys. I'm sorry. He's fully aware of why you're doing what you're doing. He's fully aware of what you regret that you didn't do. He's intimately and keenly aware of how you and I are operating in pride. And he will pose us to bring about humility so he can give us his grace. How would you speak if you knew that God was with you? I think it would look a little bit like Joseph here. A lot about not you <laughs> and a ton about him. Like, think about your salvation story. The last time you shared your faith, how much of it is about what you did? Well, what I did, and I saw, and I, and I, and I, and I, instead of God, 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 God. Some of us, the very inception of our salvation, we've made it too much about ourselves. And that's why we keep hitting this brick wall when we're trying to make the story, see ourselves in the story of God. And God is, he's at work. You're in your point of slavery and prison time, and there might be a couple more years where you're like, ah, two more years. But he's going to bring about that which he promises. Uh, I'll end you with this. First Peter 5, 5, 8 says this. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now listen, this is, this is the part. Humble yourselves, therefore, with, how? What do I put myself under the mighty hand of God. Put myself completely under the hand of God. Like I want, I want to be wherever it is. I don't care what I need to do, what needs to happen. I want to be under your hand. And then what does he say? And God, of God, so that at what? The proper time. Oh, I wish we knew that time. But he does. At the proper time, he may exalt, exalt you. So casting all your anxiety is him. Because why? Because he cares for you. Now that's part and. Many of us are like, I'll humble myself, but it's going to feel like he doesn't care. No, no, he, he cares for you, just like he cared for Joseph. And somewhere along the line, Joseph, that, that clicked, the, the Spirit of God awoke in him an understanding to go, okay, God, I don't get it. I don't understand because I can tell you right now, even though he had the dreams, I don't think he pictured himself being second in command in Egypt. Like, I don't think that was like on his radar. Like, you know, someday I just want to be the, the VP of Egypt. That's how you all are going to bow down to me. No, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. And we'll see as we look at Joseph's life, we see that he, um, he doesn't just operate out of prison this way. He continues to operate this way, and it's really quite brilliant and encouraging. And so I would encourage you to read the rest of 41, go through it all entirely, because I skipped a whole bunch of it. But I also want to encourage you to ask this, just this one question, God, where is my pride? Where do I need to be broken? will you humble me under your mighty hand? And if, if, you, if, if he answers you, which he will, and if he breaks you, which he will, 
just know that he cares for you and he will exalt you as well. And my encouragement would be, if you are, if you are finding yourself making things about you, if you are sitting higher than someone else, if you are looking down on other people in pride, if you are, if you are sitting there going, look at all my knowledge with zero wisdom, then the best thing you can do is go sit at the foot of the cross and say, I have no business being here, God. But you, you have brought me to you. And instead of having a moment of humility, God, would you help me walk in humility? Would you help me live in humility so that when you use me for your story, I don't dare take credit for it and you and you alone get the glory. The band's gonna come up and we're gonna sing some more. Um, I, I wanna encourage you to pay attention to the words that you sing as uh, you're declaring or lamenting or you're, you're saying things to God. Um, it'd be very prideful to go through the motions and say those things and not genuinely believe them in your heart. And I don't mean that to sound too harsh. I just, um, I know in my own life the propensity to go through the motions and I just don't want that for any of us to do that. So if you need some help uh, identifying pride in your life, one of the most dangerous and fun questions ever is to ask the people closest to you and say, where do you see pride in me? And then just embrace yourself. Um, if someone asks you that, um, it would be very prideful to attack them in it. So embrace yourself for that too. If you need prayer, the prayer room is available for you. There'll be back, people back there to pray for you. Let me pray. Father, we, um, man, we have no business uh, being with you, we have no business walking with you, and we have no business being um, tools that you use for your glory. Um, I am uh, just in awe of the fact that you you have chosen before the foundation of time to use me, a broken, prideful punk, for your kingdom's purposes. Um, Lord, may you and you alone get the glory in everything we do, even as these individuals stand up here using um, their voices or their hands or their minds to, to play instruments. Uh, you gave them the ability to do that, Lord. Uh, may we not rest in our own strength. Instead, would we boast in our weakness so you can be stronger, Lord. Um, may we be uh, people that in our schools, in our families, with our coworkers, regardless of the hits that come, regardless of how often we may be falsely accused or thrown in the pit or enslaved, God, by something. God, I pray that we'd be a people that continually say, not me, but you. Um, we could pray the prayer and say the thing that John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. And that it wouldn't just be lip service, it wouldn't just be head knowledge, it would be wisdom. It would live in light of it, live true to it by the power of the Spirit that indwells in us. Um, for those that are um, in that pit right now, longing for the day to be out of the pit like Joseph now finally finds himself standing in the daylight. Um, would you just give them what they need, um, even if it's a gentle reminder that you are with them, that you are work, and that your plan is good. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org or on the Church Center app. We encourage you not to neglect meeting together as believers, and may you continue to love God and love others.